Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. And now, here's this week's guest. talk about orthopedics yes ma'am <laughs> okay so why did you choose this line of work uh very interesting uh, it's because actually uh, i'm a healthy and young active adult i like to deal with healthy young active adults and uh, you end up in one of those lines where you actually can make an, imp- an impact on people and you can see that impact the best example that i always give is come and sit in my clinic for one day and you'll see the appreciation and gratitude on those patients' faces. In medicine, we don't tend to see the direct impact in a lot of specialties. Well, bar cosmetic surgery, but in orthopedics, we do tend to see that on a daily basis. And that was really the major reason why I went into what I do. Okay. Now you have uh, worked for, this won't mean so much to people over in this part of the world, but I'm from North America and you have worked for like heavy, heavy hitters and you've hit all the axis. So the New England Patriots, uh, Super Bowl winners, uh, Boston Red Sox, beloved baseball team. New England Patriots are football, American football, the kind with the ball that's not shaped roundly. It's shaped like, uh, what do you call that shape? I don't know. Uh, what does it oval shape. It's like Stewie's head. Yeah, right? it's like Stewie's head from, from Family Guy. So uh, football, Major League NFL, uh, National Football League, uh, New England Patriots, uh, National Baseball, Boston, beloved team, Boston Red Sox, like subject of films, um, and the Boston Bruins, which is also a much beloved hockey team and a lot of people don't know about hockey here but you worked you've helped all those athletes so I'm just sort of curious like let's just start like what's your biggest takeaway from working with those like elite highly paid athletes and their joints so so there's a lot of aspects to that question and I'm I'm gonna start with uh the first which is work ethic uh you cannot imagine the work ethic of those highly paid athletes. And I'll give the best example of Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady approaches every Sunday game or every football game as if it's a test at school. You'd see him at at breakfast when a lot of the team players uh, are sitting around and literally just joking around and he would have the playbook sitting there uh, he's studying the plays, he's rehearsing what he's going to be doing, and it's practically uh, uh, like rehearsing for a test. Obviously, some of those players are talented. Uh, we do know that, but the amount of work that they put in uh, is uh, immense. Uh, number two uh, is actually teamwork. And Bill Belichick is one of the most celebrated coaches in NFL history. And 
when I started with them and I went with them twice to two Super Bowls in 11 and 12, I was like, you know, this is an extremely uninspiring speech. You, you watch those movies uh, on football and you watch Friday Night Lights and everything's like, oh, you're going to think that you're going to watch those spiels. And Bill Belichuk used to always say, I want every player on this team to just do one thing, what he is supposed to do. Worry about what you are supposed to do, not about what the next the person next to you is supposed to do. And if you deliver your 100% and believe that the person standing next to you is delivering 100%, you're going to have the winning team that's going to take you to the Super Bowl. And it never clicked until you start working in management yourself. And you just want every person to do their job. They do it to their best capabilities, and that's it. You have those cogs of the wheels turning in synchrony, and that's it. You have it. It's the ideal scenario. <laughs> now, you take a look on the other end of things on the medical side. And that's really where things become very interesting because those players don't know how to be sick. So it's the most frustrating thing for them to sort of sideline them when they're injured. You tell him, hey, it's going to take three weeks. If you come in a day earlier, well, a week earlier, you might re-injure yourself. He's like, I want to try. And you have to sit him down, have the coaches, the medics on the team, the athletic trainers on the team, sit him down, talk to him. Sometimes you'd have his players talk to him. It's practically a support group so that you can keep a player off the field for one extra week. And you start understanding that those people don't know how to just be relaxed. And that's what it is. But it's extremely interesting. It's uh, uh, certainly one of the best learning experiences that I've had. Very humbling to see the wins, to see the losses, uh, and to be through it all. I, I have to be honest. I love that you mentioned Tom Brady, obviously, you know, the Patriots, and I don't know much about football, but I know that he retired and then he came back and then he just retired again. And he's sort of the, go the greatest of all time for playing so long into his 40s. What, yes. what's, what has he done? I mean, I heard him interviewed uh, once on Hard Howard Stern and he said he doesn't do weights at all. He did bands. He does resistance bands, which I thought was awesome because you think that's like something a woman my age is going to do, not, not like, you know. The court. So yeah, how, how did he able to stay in the game so long and some specifics like that he did? So Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. That's, there's, there's no question about it. No, nobody can even consider denying him that. Uh, what Tom Brady did was understand a couple of things. One of them is that you don't need to go all out as long as you go enough, okay? So 110 is not necessarily better than 100, if 100 is all that is required. Two, he understood nutrition like there's no tomorrow. Tom, I, I remember very well, and uh, there was uh, like packs of certain nutritional supplements that would travel with us on away games because that's all he wanted. 
And that's what he was used to. He was a creature of habit, as are all elite athletes at this level. They are creatures of habit. They try something, it works for them, and they actually go ahead with it. Plus, they actually respect rest. And that is something extremely important as well. The, he respected the rest days like there's no tomorrow. Plus, in the off-season, he would practically not do any football, any weight training. He'd be golfing. He'd be just playing around with his friends, go soccer, nothing related to football in the off-season. Come training camp, he's the first person to show up and the last person to be out of there. He's extremely dedicated, but he respected this body. And we do know that sports specialization, actually, when you play the same sport year-round, you're at a higher risk of injuries. You just mentioned it. He goes, he went into his 40s. So all of those factors have helped with the longevity of his career. And that's what made him be able to come back from retirement, take another team to another Super Bowl win, another ring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting to me because for the rest of us, and people think that athletes and the celebrities they see are in that shape all the time. They're in that high level of shape year round. And I feel like people at the CrossFit gym, they think that like that's an, a, a goal. And I'm hearing you sort of saying, no, like there's a relaxation, like a season there's a season to it. So can you sort of speak to that, how we can learn from athletes that way? Rest. Of course, actually, uh, well, uh, the rest, uh, uh, this actually has to go back to two factors in uh, sports medicine. One of them is obeying the rest days. And the second is what we call cycles. So whenever you have a season, you actually have to divide it in cycles. And uh, it's, it's divided into major parts of the cycle, a ramp-up phase, a competition phase, and then the off-season, where you try to disconnect as much as possible. That's one. In each of those cycles, there's micro-cycles where you ramp up, then rest, ramp up, then rest. And that's why you'd see them whenever some of the teams qualify uh, for the playoffs, uh, they try to actually rest uh, the players who had been competing at a very high level. That's the same reason why some tennis players, for example, optimists on certain competitions. Uh, in baseball, you'd have a pitcher sit out a couple of games because he has to respect that he's been pitching at a very high level for a certain period of time. That's one. The rest days are extremely important. And we've only learned the importance of the rest days actually from... Uh, an important study on English Premier League uh, on the Premier League uh, teams that actually were also competing in the Champions League. So when you're competing in the Champions League, you actually would compete on in the midweek, Tuesday or Wednesday, but you'd also have to play your, your English Premier League games flanked on both sides, the weekend before, the weekend after. And the risk of injury Hear this number, six times higher in the players that played all three games at the same competitive level in a row, 90 minutes, three games. So you can imagine six times, that's 600% higher because they're not getting the chance to rest. 
So this is what I tell a lot of the patients that actually get to see me. Just obey those rest days. Don't do, don't work out the same body regions, body uh, sites two days in a row and always take rest day. It's okay. Now, granted, when those players rest, it's not like they're getting a beer belly overnight or something like that. They're still minding, uh, in fact, the fact that they're going to have to go back uh, mm. sooner or later uh, or for the next season. Okay, so, you know, it seems like everyone has got a bad shoulder or a bad knee or bad hips. We're getting knees replaced, hips replaced. It seems like younger and younger. Um, how, what are we doing wrong? We, we don't have a doctor like you looking. <laughs> well, here's the deal. One, you want my advice so that you don't end up in my clinic. But when you do end up in my clinic, you also want to follow what we tell you. Okay. The reality is uh, there's several studies on this. The biggest factor, and we alluded to it earlier, is sports specialization. Okay. When we have CrossFit games, patients tend to finish the CrossFit games and go back to training immediately. They finish a marathon and they're training for their next race. It's okay to take a couple of weeks off, ramp down, just go for casual jogs without actually recording every single metric on those jogs. Enjoy it, okay? Unless you're an elite athlete where you should have your own coach devise those training programs for you. Okay. But on the flip side as well, there's a lot of awareness. And that's where we have what we call the biases come in place, where because we're talking about those more, we tend to feel that there's a higher incidence. So it's twofold. The incidence is truly higher, but it appears to be higher than what it is really at because of all the awareness that we have. We talk about things. I got invited to talk about things. That's why right. I'm here today. This is your specialization. Uh, what are the what are the biggest? Okay, so rest and and rejuvenation of our bodies is something. What about specific yeah. techniques that we're doing or things that we're doing wrong? Like, do you see injuries and you're like, oh, they're doing this. Ah, oh, they've right. been doing that. Yeah. The two things are one, uh, no warm ups. Two, lack of flexibility. And uh, it's not necessary that you stretch before every single workout, but it is imperative that you warm up before every single workout. It is imperative, okay? When do we stretch? When there is tightness. That's why it's important that you incorporate at least a stretching uh, uh, session once a week. Could it be with uh, a trained professional or by yourself? Nothing wrong with that as long as you do it. And that's really uh, extremely imperative. But when it comes to warmups, uh, there's certain, there's, there's a lot of literature out there that supports the fact that if you don't warm up and sport specific warm up, meaning that every single workout that you do has to have a warm up, which is relative to that sport, okay, uh, there's a much higher risk of injury. Okay, so if you're doing shoulders and arms one day, you're doing some shoulder flexing, you're doing some 
Yeah. Or if you're, if you're running, you're doing like some walking around and some just hip mobility or something. Okay. It's not like you have to, yeah, it's not like you have to stretch before every workout, which people hate doing, but you can't just go from zero to (laughs) zero to whatever. Well, you can. (laughs) You can. Well, you can, but then you're going to have to bear the consequences. Yeah. And you don't want to see me, right? Yeah. I don't want to see you. I want, to ask, I want to ask you a woman specific uh, question because I'm hearing a lot about women between 40 and 60 getting frozen shoulder and I can't get to the bottom of what frozen shoulder is and I'm getting a different answer from everyone and uh, I wondered if you know about it and what you think about it. So I, I do know about it. I'm actually a sports medicine as well as a shoulder specialist. So frozen shoulder Uh, is an autoimmune entity whereby the body thinks that there is something going on inside the shoulder and it creates some inflammation. This inflammation is in the capsule and it leads to the body sort of fighting off and leading to a capsulitis. So instead of having a loose check rein, a loose leash within the shoulder, it becomes tight. And that's why we call it frozen, because you cannot lift your shoulder. The good news is uh, it's self-resolving in 90% plus of the cases. The bad news is it takes up to 18 months to resolve. So it's a good six months to a year of pain. And then there's the thawing phase at the end of it, which might take about six months as well uh, uh, to regain your mobility. And the capsule is, is like you have the bone, the bone, and it's sort of like a little napkin over, right? Like it's a- so if this is a ball and socket, I'm sure I have a shoulder model here somewhere. He's got, he's a, got body parts all over his office. <laughs> yeah. If this is a bone and socket, the capsule is what connects this to this. Okay. 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 So that it doesn't dislocate. Remember, the shoulder is the most mobile joint of the body. And the capsule plus the ligaments sort of keep it in place. And you said autoimmune. And I've seen a few studies that say this has something to do with hormonal issues, but there's other people who say it's connected to thyroid. Other people say it's connected to metabolic disorders. What diabetes? Diabetes. Yes, definitely diabetes. Crohn's. Yeah, Crohn's. Yes. Uh, So... It's an inflammatory, I don't think it's autoimmune is a fair way to describe it. It's an inflammatory process, but it might be linked to autoimmune diseases. 50% of it happens in the setting of another disease, typically diabetes, thyroid, Crohn's, or other autoimmune diseases. The other 50% is what we call idiopathic. We don't know why. Okay. You're just uh, lucky. How would you treat it? Uh, physiotherapy, physiotherapy, physiotherapy. If there's a lot of pain, we consider injections. Very rarely we require surgery. Surgery should be your last resort. Okay. And do you see it in men? We see it in men, not as common as women. Okay. Okay. It's very menopausal just because of what you talked about. It's the hormonal imbalances that happen around that time aching you hear a lot of people talking about aching joints aching muscles I I mean I'm in I'm 52 so I'm in a certain demographic but I hear this I hear people in their 40s start to talk about it 
is it inevitable that we have physical pain? I don't know, but there's a running joke in orthopedics and I only witnessed it firsthand. The, the day that I turned 40 and I woke up, I, the day that I'd wake up without any pain, I'd have to pinch myself to figure out what's wrong. <laughs> okay, so yes, some pain's gonna be here and there. It, it sort of is inevitable, but uh, here's the catch. We want to one, manage those pains in the least aggressive manner possible and address those pains before they become more relevant and more serious uh, by uh, visiting physicians or qualified practitioners that before it's more serious. If something lingers on, you know it's lingering, you know it's increasing in severity, there's no harm in getting it checked. Okay. What about diet? What about, how does diet play in? What do you hate hearing about? What do you recommend to your patients? So I won't talk about something that I don't know about, but I'll tell you one thing. Yeah, there's a lot of talk right now about diets and the inflammatory uh, uh, burden that certain uh, foods do impart on our body, okay? When a food is pro-inflammatory, it might lead to more pains around the body. Where some people talk about the acidity of certain foods and whether those are going to be more beneficial to pains. I, I can't dispute that, okay? But I'm certain that certain nutritionists are going to be able to comment on that more. When a patient comes in and tells me I'm taking uh, curcumin, it's actually helping. Well, guess what? There are anti-inflammatory benefits in that. And yes, same with cumin, same with other with a lot of other alternative medicine uh, uh, regimen. And I can't dispute that. Is it something that you're going to walk into my clinic and I'm going to write a prescription of uh, curcum? I, I still am not comfortable doing that yet. Okay. And what about supplements? Like, I just, I don't know, glucosamines coming to mind, like the ones you hear sort of bantied about to help you. So again, I'm a man of science, right? There's good literature on that. For knee arthritis, for knee arthritis and for arthritic pain, there's evidence to support that 50% of patients will have 50% relief of their symptoms. How do we, how do we uh, remember, those are over-the-counter, they're not covered by insurance, so they tend, the bills tend to rack up, okay, over time. How can I uh, suggest it to patients? I'll tell them, try it for a month and then stop it abruptly. If you feel that you're worse off, guess what? There's no harm in continuing on. If you feel that there was no difference whatsoever, then it's okay. Just to stay off. Is there anything and, else? Uh, they, sorry? And that's exactly what I've done with my own family members. My dad's been on glucosamine and chondroitin forever. Okay? He's a biochemist. When I suggested it, he actually laughed at me. Because he's like, how's that going to help? you're digesting something and then it's the same building blocks of everything else that you eat. I'm like, hey, I agree with you. Give it a try. He gave it a try and it's been what now? Six, seven years that he's been on it. Swears by okay. it. Okay, what, if I, what do you think of all these, um, you know, there's all these people out there now, like I'm thinking knees over toes guy. I don't know if you know knees over, knees over oh, toes yeah, guy. Um, there's all the people talking about fascia. I've been 
interested in this new people called the human garage and they're doing all this weird like manipulate i mean i want to ask you about fascia also but what do you have any people like this that you like any people we should be watching out what should we watch out for because everyone and their brother is trying to tell you how to be pain-free you know yeah absolutely so i i've watched the uh knees over toes guy and some of my patients swear by him okay until the science is out there i'm not going to recommend it there's a lot of channels out there uh, and I don't want to name one versus the other, but actually one that comes to mind is prehab, the prehab guys. And it talks about preventing injury through certain activities that you're going to be doing at home. And that's exactly what we should be educating the public on. Okay. It's not rocket science, what they're doing. They touch on a lot of things which are tried and tested we don't go crazy heavy on weights. We do a lot of bands and it's helpful stuff that anybody can do either in a basic gym or at home. Yeah, go ahead and try those things out. But for me to recommend to a patient that comes into my clinic with an ACL injury and say, try this thing and guess what? Uh, this is going to be your panacea. I, I'm, I'm still not there. there I'm, no I'm a very pragmatic person who yeah. believes in science and evidence. What about fascia? Does it, like when I started out in journalism, well, not started out, like back when I was in Canada, maybe mid, uh, you know, 2005, I think there was the first international fascia Congress and I got really interested in it. And now it's sort of way blown up. But do you think about it? Do you consider it? Do you think it's getting too much attention or? Too much attention in certain circles, not enough in other circles. Because remember what we talked about earlier. You want to warm up to prevent injuries and you want to prevent injuries by having a stretching session, be it with a professional, be it by yourself. Okay. And that's where the fascia comes in play because the fascia eventually controls is the cylinder surrounding the muscles. It's the covering surrounding the muscles. And you want to allow for those muscles to swell up the balloon during the, worm, the workout and not have those muscles sort of be constricted and allow for the best performance from those muscle fibers. Okay, so you're a surgeon as well. What? Yes, well, you were a surgeon, not as well. Um. No, I, no, no, I do wear, hey, hey, hey. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share something with you. Okay. I'm sorry to have interrupted, no. I apologize. I wear three hats. Yep. One of them is a surgeon. The other one is a team physician. And my job as a team physician is to prevent injuries before they happen. And the third is I'm an amateur athlete myself. Okay. So uh, yeah, we've touched a lot so far on the team physician. And now we're, it sounds like we're shifting gears into, I am a surgeon as well. Yeah, and I want to ask you about your own sport sports, but for surgery, what are the most common surgeries that you see and what is leading to them? So most commonly that I see are ACLs, meniscus around the knees and uh, for the shoulders, it's, uh, and when it comes to sports related injuries, shoulder dislocations, rarely traumatic uh, rotator cuff tears. Okay. And is that, I mean, there's gotta be a bunch of reasons for that. There's injuries, overuse, what are, what are sort of, what, what could be addressable? Uh, what's addressable is actually warm-ups. Uh, we touch upon principles 
we build on those principles and we talk. So uh, FIFA came out with something called the FIFA 11 plus program. The FIFA 11 plus program is a 15 minute warm up regimen that they instituted for all soccer players, which decreased the incidence of ACL injuries in soccer. Okay. And it proved to be even more effective in the female subset than in the male subset. And there is a reason for that because women tend to have a wider pelvis. So the angle of their legs is a little bit higher because it's coming in from the outside more towards the inside. And that predisposes them to ACL injuries more. The other thing that patients can do is have a strong core. So it's warm up, having a strong core so that you're not requiring a lot of force generation distally in the knees. The majority of force generation should come from your core, the core being three muscle groups, the glutes, the back, and the abs, not just the abs. Yeah, there was, this has died down now, but a couple of years ago, it was all about the glutes and it was all about strengthening your glutes. It was just like, you know, there's trends in fitness. It just felt like glutes were it. And now that glutes have gone away. They (laughs) They haven't gone away. Gone away as a fad. Yeah, it's a fad. The science supporting uh, the glutes as a cause of uh, core weakness and then the risk that they impart on uh, uh, the risk that they impart on uh, injuries is extremely uh, uh, high. Do you have a couple of favorite core exercises you think everyone should be doing regularly? Single leg squats and side planks. Single leg squats and side planks because they target the gluteus medius uh, 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 very well. Muscle engagement with those two exercises for the gluteus medius is very high. And the gluteus medius is an ignored muscle. It doesn't show. So we don't work it out. Okay. okay. Same as this, that's the same exact reason why people who do upper body work should be targeting the rotator cuff uh, musculature because the rotator cuff musculature is deep. It's buried. It doesn't show. So we don't tend to work them out. We target our deltoids. Yeah, of course, it's going to look buff on the outside. How concerned are you about how sedentary most people are, even if they're exercising? I am concerned, but the fitness overall is increasing across the board. We can see it across the board, all age groups uh, uh, and into the uh, into our golden years. That's the reason why geriatric sports medicine is picking up like crazy. I have those 60 and 70 year old patients that come in and they're doing things which are much crazier than what I would consider. And I'm 20 years younger than them. And they'll be like, I want to go back to this and I want to go back to this. I'm like, okay, well, I need to take care of my body so that I'm doing what they are doing when I'm their age. Okay. So that's kind of like the narrative, you know, there's like always a negative narrative in the media, like, and and it's like, we're all so sedentary and we're all ruining our bodies, but you like you're seeing the truth. People are getting more healthy. People are getting more fit. Absolutely. And it all boils down to the awareness of people like you. That's what it really boils down to because you bring awareness to those subjects. And once you spread that awareness, people are going to actually, oh, this is what we really want to do. And we hear a lot about strength training. 
and how it helps us keep our bones. Osteoporosis is a problem for men and women. So Mm -hmm. is there an optimal amount of time? And I would like you to talk about bands as well, because you mentioned it. Tom Brady does bands. Uh, It's not just like for, you know, thin women to do. (laughs) It's it's actually a very effective workout, right? Uh, Absolutely. And uh, the beauty about bands is that the resistance increases the farther you move away from the point of fixation. So if you start with a band and I'm doing this, here it's at one kilogram, here it's at two, here it's at three, so that by the end of the uh, flexion, you're actually loading much more than when you're completely extended. And that's the beauty of bands. So it helps on the flexion side or on the extension side. So you're doing concentric as well as eccentric work in the same setting, okay? The beauty of bands is that you typically are much less inclined to injure yourself while you're doing a band workout. That's the beauty of bands. When it comes to, is there an ideal number for strength training? It's all about moderation. Anything you wanna do, do in moderation. Don't go strength training seven days of the week. Don't go without strength training for three months. Do it once, twice a week, incorporate that with a healthy diet, incorporate that with uh, 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 some cardio work and each one of those those three tenets serves its own purpose one of the best pieces of advice that I've heard actually from my nutritionist is uh, one do strength training to bulk up do to build muscles two do cardio to, uh, to improve your health and three a diet to lose weight. And once you realize, damn it, that's right. I need to actually approach each one of them for the reason and for the benefits of it that it clicks in your mind. Once you start doing cardio to lose weight, you're losing something here. Right. That's how I grew up on the Stairmaster for 90 freaking minutes because I thought that's what we were told, right? And uh yeah. That's that was such my age group was do that stairmaster. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work, but I no, kept doing exactly. it because people were that. <laughs> I'd hate to ask about your knees today. No, I, they're actually. I was a figure skater, so I'm having some. Uh, you know, I'm having some pains, but pretty good. Like pretty good. I'm, good. I'm lucky so far. Yeah, holding strong. But I, you know, I don't want to come and see you. It's nothing personal. Um, are you? Um, I will though. Are you at, uh, are you working with the teams now? So we help take care of some of the professional teams in Abu Dhabi. Uh, okay. We also help take care of uh, some of the tournaments as well in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I mean, I'm not allowed to disclose there's Mubadala uh, open tennis right now. Uh, I have one of the professional ATP players in my clinic uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, it's what we do on a daily basis and we love doing it. And your own sport, amateur sporting career, what do you do? How do you approach it? So I, I used to be a triathlete at one point, and I've done uh, two Ironmans. Uh, it, it, it takes its toll after a while because it's a balancing act, just like everything else. But you have to balance that. You have to balance work. And then you have to balance family life on top of everything. And something's got to give. 
so my last Ironman was in 2015. I don't think I will have uh, the time considering that I have two kids right now for another Ironman anytime soon. I, I, I still uh, uh, do all three disciplines in, in a lower intensity, uh, but uh, cycling is where my heart is. I used to race, race semi-professionally when I was in the U.S., it's funny, I went to a wedding years ago and my friend's brother is a doctor and he was training for the Ironman and it was a weekend wedding, you know, one of these part weekend parties. And I all I heard all weekend was he needs to train, he needs to train, he needs to get back to train, he needs to train. And I at the end of it, I was like, oh my God, anyone with these professional athletes must have this. And he got divorced as, as Tom Brady has gotten divorced. <laughs> but so I'm glad you've given up. I'm glad you've given up. I don't want you to I don't want you to get to No, 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 no. The priorities. <laughs> so when we talk about divorce, let's talk about priorities. Family comes first, work comes second, everything else comes behind that. It's leisure, right? There's a reason why they call it leisure. Is there anything, I mean, I could talk to you about this all day, but is there anything that's like really top of mind for you that I'm not twigging on that you would like to tell people? No, I always like to mention the following uh, phrase, and I learned it from one of my best friends. Anything that you're gonna do, you wanna start low, go slow, aim high. And you can't see a single interview that I've done where I have not mentioned this. A and it's a great mantra. And, uh, you know, it's very difficult when you're young to respect this mantra. And as you build up those injuries with, uh, I mean, with age, you tend to sort of starting respect your body, you respect uh, how many injuries you've had over the years. And you say, you know what, it's just not worth it. I can get there in a year and I can get there in five. Hassan Baidun is not making a living out of working out. So might as well enjoy it, right? Instead <laughs> of pushing myself uh, to a limit that my body cannot follow. The second thing that I end this with and I start the second thing with is uh, the mind can take us more than our body can. And that is true. But do we really want it to? So I always ask myself that question. Yes, my mind is certainly stronger than my body. But we have to have both of those in unison and traveling together. I don't want my mind taking my body where it cannot. So respect your body. Listen to it. That's the interesting, that's a really interesting point because, you know, someone like David Goggins, he, he's, I think he says, by the time you start getting fatigued, what you've only exhausted a certain percentage, you can go so much further. And I think it's so interesting, right? Because it's like common sense. Am I pushing myself? Am I, is my mind just telling me I can't? I know I can. Like what you, you're saying, what's the point really? <laughs> Are you? So uh, I, I am, I am. And uh, I'll, share, I'll share with you something extremely personal and I, I'm actually uh, extremely emotional about it. Today is my one year anniversary where I've had a hip replacement. Oh. 
okay? And it, it was the most uh, humbling experience of my entire life. People come to me so that I can solve their problems, right? I was walking with a limp for a good six months because I had rapidly progressive arthritis. And I sat in a hospital bed alone because COVID did not allow for visitors, uh, thinking to myself, this is partly because my mind, and I have an extremely strong-willed mind, took me where my body was not ready to go. And it's funny. You listen to the wisdom of people who are older than you, but you learn mostly from your own mistakes. And I'm ready to take my body there right now, but I have to rein myself. I know that if I put myself to it, I'm ready to do an Ironman in a year. But guess what? It's, it, it, I think those things will only come with your own experiences and hopefully building on the experience of others. Oh, thank, for, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Not, not at all. It, it's, it's something that I'm extremely now comfortable sharing. At one point, it was, it, it makes you question everything, really, everything you want. Why me? Well, of all people, seriously, why me? Yeah, and after you've had surgery and you're in a hospital, especially because you couldn't have any visitors, that is the most vulnerable time of all time is. is it not like you you will just stare your whatever mortality and fear in the face it's impossible not to reckon with yourself it is. It is. I, I mean yeah you you put a question mark on everything up to that point in your life yeah yeah well you got through it i'm getting emotional because i'm i it's happened to me too it's like something else thank you so much i really appreciate it i hope we can talk to you again absolutely thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.